Chapter Two of Religio Medici and Hydriotaphia by Thomas Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Religio Medici, Part One, Sections Thirteen through Nineteen. Section thirteen. The other attribute wherewith I recreate my devotion is his wisdom, in which I am happy, and for the contemplation of this only do not repent me that I was bred in the way of study. The advantage I have therein is an ample recompense for all my endeavours in what part of knowledge soever. Wisdom is his most beauteous attribute no man can attain unto it yet solomon pleased god when he desired it he is wise because he knows all things and he knoweth all things because he made them all but his greatest knowledge is in comprehending that he made not that is himself and this is also the greatest knowledge in man for this do i honour my own profession and embrace the counsel even of the devil himself had he read such a lecture in paradise as he did at delphos nosce te ipsum we had better known ourselves nor had we stood in fear to know him i know god is wise in all wonderful in what we conceive but far more in what we comprehend not for we behold him but a squint upon reflex or shadow our understanding is dimmer than moses eye we are ignorant of the back parts or lower side of his divinity therefore to pry into the maze of his counsels is not only folly in man but presumption even in angels like us they are his servants not his senators he holds no counsel but that mystical one of the trinity wherein though there be three persons there is but one mind that decrees without contradiction nor needs he any his actions are not begot with deliberation his wisdom naturally knows what's best his intellect stands ready fraught with the superlative and purest ideas of goodness consultations and election which are two motions in us make but one in him his action springing from his power at the first touch of his will these are contemplations metaphysical my humble speculations have another method and are content to trace and discover those expressions he hath left in his creatures and the obvious effects of nature there is no danger to profound these mysteries no sanctum sanctorum in philosophy the world was made to be inhabited by beasts but studied and contemplated by man tis the debt of our reason we owe unto god and the homage we pay for not being beasts without this the world is still as though it had not been or as it was before the sixth day when as yet there was not a creature that could conceive or say there was a world 
the wisdom of god receives small honour from those vulgar heads that rudely stare about and with a gross rusticity admire his works those highly magnify him whose judicious inquiry into his acts and deliberate research into his creatures return the duty of a devout and learned admiration therefore search while thou wilt and let thy reason go to ransom truth e'en to the abyss below rally the scattered causes and that line which nature twists be able to untwine it is thy maker's will for unto none but unto reason can he e'er be known the devils do know thee but those damned meteors build not thy glory but confound thy creatures teach my endeavours so thy works to read that learning them in thee i may proceed give thou my reason that instructive flight whose weary wings may on thy hands still light teach me to soar aloft yet ever so when near the sun to stoop again below thus shall my humble feathers safely hover and though near earth more than the heavens discover and then at last when homeward i shall drive rich with the spoils of nature to my hive there will i sit like that industrious fly buzzing thy praises which shall never die till death abrupts them and succeeding glory bid me go on in a more lasting story and this is almost all wherein an humble creature may endeavour to requite and some way to retribute unto his creator for if not he that saith lord lord but he that doth the will of the father shall be saved certainly our wills must be our performances and our intents make out our actions otherwise our pious labours shall find anxiety in our graves and our best endeavours not hope but fear a resurrection section fourteen there is but one first cause and four second causes of all things some are without efficient as god others without matter as angels some without form as the first matter but every essence created or uncreated hath its final cause and some positive end both of its essence and operation this is the cause i grope after in the works of nature on this hangs the providence of god to raise so beauteous a structure as the world and the creatures thereof was but his art but their sundry and divided operations with their predestinated ends are from the treasure of his wisdom in the causes nature and affections of the eclipses of the sun and moon there is most excellent speculation but to profound further and to contemplate a reason why his providence hath so disposed and ordered their motions in that vast circle as to conjoin and obscure each other is a sweeter piece of reason and a diviner point of philosophy therefore sometimes and in some things there appears to me as much divinity in galen his books de usu partium as in suarez's metaphysics had aristotle been as curious in the inquiry of this cause as he was of the other 
he had not left behind him an imperfect piece of philosophy but an absolute tract of divinity section fifteen natura nihil agit frustra is the only indisputable axiom in philosophy there are no grotesques in nature not anything framed to fill up empty cantons and unnecessary spaces in the most imperfect creatures and such as were not preserved in the ark but having their seeds and principles in the womb of nature are everywhere where the power of the sun is in these is the wisdom of his hand discovered out of this rank solomon chose the object of his admiration indeed what reason may not go to school to the wisdom of bees ants and spiders what wise hand teacheth them to do what reason cannot teach us ruder heads stand amazed at those prodigious pieces of nature whales elephants dromedaries and camels these i confess are the colossus and majestic pieces of her hand but in these narrow engines there is more curious mathematics and the civility of these little citizens more neatly sets forth the wisdom of their maker who admires not regio montanus his fly beyond his eagle or wonders not more at the operation of two souls in those little bodies than but one in the trunk of a cedar i could never content my contemplation with those general pieces of wonder the flux and reflux of the sea the increase of nile the conversion of the needle to the north and have studied to match and parallel those in the more obvious and neglected pieces of nature which without further travel i can do in the cosmography of myself we carry with us the wonders we seek without us there is all africa and her prodigies in us we are that bold and adventurous piece of nature which he that studies wisely learns in a compendium what others labour at in a divided piece and endless volume section sixteen thus there are two books from whence i collect my divinity besides that written one of god another of his servant nature that universal and public manuscript that lies expansed unto the eyes of all those that never saw him in the one have discovered him in the other this was the scripture and theology of the heathens the natural motion of the sun made them more admire him than its supernatural station did the children of israel the ordinary effects of nature wrought more admiration in them than in the other all his miracles surely the heathens knew better how to join and read these mystical letters than we christians who cast a more callous eye on these common hieroglyphics and disdain to suck divinity from the flowers of nature nor do i so forget god as to adore the name of nature which i define not with the schools to be the principle of motion and rest but that straight and regular line that settled and constant course the wisdom of god hath ordained the actions of his creatures according to their several kinds to make a revolution every day is the nature of the sun because of that necessary course which god hath ordained it from which it cannot swerve but by a faculty from that voice which first did give it motion 
Now this course of nature God seldom alters or perverts, but like an excellent artist, hath so contrived his work that, with the self-same instrument, without a new creation, he may effect his obscurest designs. Thus he sweeteneth the water with a word, preserveth the creatures in the ark, which the blessed of his mouth might have as easily created. For God is like a skilful geometrician, who, when more easily, and with one stroke of his compass, he might describe or divide a right line, had yet rather do this in a circle or longer way, according to the constituted and forelaid principles of his art. Yet this rule of his he doth sometimes pervert, to acquaint the world with his prerogative, lest the arrogancy of our reason should question his power, and conclude he could not. And thus I call the effects of nature the works of God, whose hand and instrument she only is, and therefore to ascribe his actions unto her is to devolve the honour of the principal agent upon the instrument, which, if with reason we may do, then let our hammers rise up and boast they have built our houses, and our pens receive the honour of our writing. I hold there is a general beauty in the works of God, and therefore no deformity in any kind of species of creature whatsoever. I cannot tell by what logic we call a toad, a bear, or an elephant ugly, they being created in those outward shapes and figures which best express the actions of their inward forms. And having passed that general visitation of God, who saw that all that he had made was good, that is, conformable to his will, which abhors deformity, and is the rule of order and beauty. There is no deformity but in monstrosity, wherein, notwithstanding, there is a kind of beauty, nature so ingeniously contriving the irregular part, as they become sometimes more remarkable than the principal fabric. To speak yet more narrowly, there was never anything ugly or misshapen but the chaos, wherein notwithstanding, to speak strictly, there was no deformity, because no form, nor was it yet impregnant by the voice of God. Now nature is not at variance with art, nor art with nature, they being both the servants of his providence. Art is the perfection of nature. Were the world now, as it was the sixth day, there were yet a chaos. Nature hath made one world, and art another. In brief, all things are artificial, for nature is the art of God. Section 17 This is the ordinary and open way of his providence, which art and industry having good part discovered, whose effects we may foretell without an oracle. To foreshow these is not prophecy, but prognostication. There is another way, full of meanders and labyrinths, whereof the devil and spirits have no exact ephemerids, and that is a more particular and obscure method of his providence, directing the operations of individual and single essences. This we call fortune, that serpentine and crooked line, whereby he draws those actions his wisdom intends in a more unknown and secret way. This cryptic and involved method of his providence have I ever admired, nor can I relate the history of my life, the occurrences of my days, the escapes or dangers and hits of chance, with a bezolas manos to fortune, 
or a bare gramercy to my good stars. Abraham might have thought the ram in the thicket came thither by accident. Human reason would have said that mere chance conveyed Moses in the ark to the sight of Pharaoh's daughter. What a labyrinth is there in the story of Joseph, able to convert a stoic! Surely there are in every man's life certain rubs, doublings, and wrenches, which pass a while under the effects of chance, but at the last, well examined, prove the mere hand of God. T'was not dumb chance that, to discover the fougade, or powder-plot, contrived a miscarriage in the letter. I like the victory of eighty-eight the better, for that one occurrence which our enemies imputed to our dishonour, and the partiality of fortune, to wit the tempest and contrariety of winds. King Philip did not detract from the nation when he said he sent his armada to fight with men, and not to combat with the winds. Where there is a manifest disproportion between the powers and forces of two several agents, upon a maxim of reason we may promise the victory to the superior. But when unexpected accidents slip in, and unthought-of occurrences intervene, these must proceed from a power that owes no obedience to those axioms, where, as in the writing upon the wall, we may behold the hand, but see not the spring that moves it. The success of that petty province of Holland, of which the Grand Seigneur proudly said, if they should trouble him, as they did the Spaniard, he would send his men with shovels and pickaxes, and throw it into the sea, I cannot altogether ascribe to the ingenuity and industry of the people, but the mercy of God, that hath disposed them to such a thriving genius, and to the will of his providence, that disposeth her favour to each country in their preordinate season. All cannot be happy at once, for, because the glory of one state depends upon the ruin of another, there is a revolution and vicissitude of their greatness, and must obey the swing of that wheel, not moved by intelligences, but by the hand of God, whereby all estates arise to their zenith and vertical points, according to their predestinated periods. For the lives not only of men, but of commonwealths, and the whole world, run not upon a helix that still enlargeth, but on a circle, where, arriving to their meridian, they decline in obscurity, and fall under the horizon again. Section 18 These must not therefore be named the effects of fortune, but in a relative way, and as we term the works of nature. It was the ignorance of man's reason that begat this very name, and by a careless term miscalled the providence of God. For there is no liberty for causes to operate in a loose and straggling way, nor any effect whatsoever but hath its warrant from some universal or superior cause. Tis not a ridiculous devotion to say a prayer before a game at tables, for even in sortileges and matters of greatest uncertainty there is a settled and preordered course of effects. It is we that are blind, not fortune, because our eyes too dim to discover the mystery of her effects, we foolishly paint her blind, and hoodwink the providence of the Almighty. I cannot justify that contemptible proverb that fools only are fortunate, 
or that insolent paradox that a wise man is out of the reach of fortune much less those opprobrious epithets of poets whore bored and strumpet tis i confess the common fate of men of singular gifts of mind to be destitute of those of fortune which doth not any way deject the spirit of wiser judgments who thoroughly understand the justice of this proceeding and being enriched with higher donatives cast a more careless eye on these vulgar parts of felicity it is a most unjust ambition to desire to engross the mercies of the almighty not to be content with the goods of mind without a possession of those of body or fortune and it is an error worse than heresy to adore these complimental and circumstantial pieces of felicity and undervalue those perfections and essential points of happiness wherein we resemble our maker to wiser desires it is satisfaction enough to deserve though not to enjoy the favours of fortune let providence provide for fools tis not partiality but equity in god who deals with us but as our natural parents those that are able of body and mind he leaves to their deserts to those of weaker merits he imparts a larger portion and pieces out the defect of one by the excess of the other thus have we no just quarrel with nature for leaving us naked or to envy the horns whose skins and furs of other creatures being provided with reason that can supply them all we need not labour with so many arguments to confute judicial astrology for if there be a truth therein it doth not injure divinity if to be born under mercury disposeth us to be witty under jupiter to be wealthy i do not owe a knee unto these but unto that merciful hand that hath ordered my indifferent and uncertain nativity unto such benevolous aspects those that hold that all things are governed by fortune had not erred had they not persisted there the romans that erected a temple to fortune acknowledged therein though in a blinder way somewhat of divinity for in a wise supputation all things begin and end in the almighty there is a nearer way to heaven than homer's chain and easy logic may conjoin a heaven and earth in one argument and with less than a sorites resolve all things to god for though we christen effects by their most sensible and nearest causes yet is god the true and infallible cause of all whose concourse though it be general yet doth it subdivide itself into the particular actions of every thing and is that spirit by which each singular essence not only subsists but performs its operation section nineteen the bad construction and perverse comment on these pair of second causes or visible hands of god have perverted the devotion of many unto atheism who forgetting the honest advisers of faith have listened unto the conspiracy of passion and reason i have therefore always endeavoured to compose those feuds and angry dissensions between affection faith and reason for there is in our soul a kind of triumvirate or triple government of three competitors which distracts the peace of this our commonwealth not less than did that other the state of rome 
as reason is a rebel unto faith so passion unto reason as the propositions of faith seem absurd unto reason so the theorems of reason unto passion and both unto reason yet a moderate and peaceable discretion may so state and order the matter that they may be all kings and yet make but one monarchy every one exercising his sovereignty and prerogative in a due time and place according to the restraint and limit of circumstance there are as in philosophy so in divinity sturdy doubts and boisterous objections wherewith the unhappiness of our knowledge too nearly acquainteth us more of these no man hath known than myself which i confess i conquered not in a martial posture but on my knees for our endeavours are not only to combat with doubts but always to dispute with the devil the villainy of that spirit takes a hint of infidelity from our studios and by demonstrating a naturality in one way makes us mistrust a miracle in another thus having perused the archidoxies and read the secret sympathies of things he would dissuade my belief from the miracle of the brazen serpent make me conceit that image worked by sympathy and was but an egyptian trick to cure their diseases without a miracle again having seen some experiments of bitumen and having read far more of naphtha he whispered to my curiosity the fire of the altar might be natural and bade me mistrust a miracle in elias when he entrenched the altar round with water for that inflammable substance yields not easily unto water but flames in the arms of its antagonist and thus would he inveigle my belief to think the combustion of sodom might be natural and that there was an asphaltic and bituminous nature in that lake before the fire of gomorrah i know that manna is now plentifully gathered in calabria and josephus tells me in his days it was as plentiful in arabia the devil therefore made the query where was then the miracle in the days of moses the israelites saw but that in his time which the natives of those countries behold in ours thus the devil played at chess with me and yielding a pawn thought to gain a queen of me taking advantage of my honour's endeavours and whilst i laboured to raise the structure of my reason he strove to undermine the edifice of my faith end of chapter two